Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in our program, we'll be having a look at our Harbour Business Review tips. And uh, unfortunately, Jeff Donegan couldn't be with us today because uh, he's had a computer crash a few minutes ago. So uh, we're going to talk to Christina a little bit longer. So uh, welcome, Christina. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Julian, on this very hot day. Well, I think it's only about 22 degrees here in the studio, so we're all right. You're very lucky. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite that cool at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I thought I, thought I might um, talk about an event that I went to uh, last Thursday when I was talking to you in traffic in Sydney. Um, so that evening I was lucky enough to go to a launch uh, held by an organisation called Rare Birds. The founder of that is, is a lady by the name of Jo Burston who runs her own business as well, but she's founded this um, organisation, Rare Birds, and it's all about supporting female entrepreneurs. So she has a mission to increase the number of female entrepreneurs by one million by the year 2020. Now, at this event, somebody actually challenged her to make that 10 million, and someone else said, well, why stop there? <laughs> um, but, her, but the whole mission is to, to increase and to support, to have people supporting, and particularly females supporting other females, um, in, in their entrepreneurship journey. So they've put together a book called If She Can, I Can, and it's got some really inspiring stories about some fantastic young Australians that have um, entered the, the world of entrepreneurship and have created um, businesses out of potential problems that they saw. Mm. So one of the, one of the um, highlights in the book for me is um, Melanie Perkins. And you may or may not know her as a co-founder and CEO of Canva. So as a 19-year-old university student way back in 2007, she, had, she realized that there was a, a problem. She wanted to create a design tool that rivaled all the software produced by the multinationals. She wanted to make it simple, intuitive, and she wanted to make it free. And that's how Canva was born, basically. So it, it's now got 5 million users worldwide, and they create and communicate, and the business itself is valued at $165 million. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an easy journey, as we all know, entrepreneurship and, and small business is not an easy journey. Um, but she she learnt constantly on the job. She constantly talks about putting your heart and soul into everything that you do, whether it's a whether it's your schoolwork, whether it's your hobby, whether it's your business. Don't go into anything half-hearted. Um, and also that that idea of any idea you have for a startup, particularly, should solve a problem. Mm. Um, and that's what they did with Canva. I think we've discussed we've discussed the the Canva problem before, or the you know the problem that I they did. solved. Yeah. Because, yeah, the products were way too complex. People could, didn't really know how to use them. Half the time they crashed. Um, and, and she came up with the idea for Canva, which, you know, it's gone on to, to grow and be bigger. Um, and one of, the, one of the highlights for me in the book is she talks about how supportive her mother was um, and how her family um, have been behind her. But even from primary school, she remembers the encouragement, the constant, constant yeah. encouragement to get out there and try new things. And of course, of course it's important. Uh, I mean, they say that all of us see a million dollar idea every day. We just don't recognise it. And uh, a lot of times, you know, we, we see those problems and don't necessarily see the solution. But I think the other side of it is we've got to take action when we do see the solution. I was talking to someone yesterday and he proved to me that he had the idea of an iWatch um, back in the uh, 1995. And he also yeah. had the concept of, uh, of uh, YouTube back in the year 2000. Uh, and, of course, YouTube didn't come out till 2006. So, uh, yeah, you know, he had the ideas, but he didn't do anything with them. 
You have driverless cars, the concept's been around since the 1920s. How's that? Yeah. You know, the, it's just amazing how far... And you're absolutely correct. If you don't take action on an idea, nothing's going to happen. So, another another young woman that did take action on an, on an idea was a, a young lady by the name of Shen Shen Wang, and she's the founder of CEO of Rome Technologies. And what she did, she was in, walking through the park one day, saw a young child trying to play in the park with a heavy oxygen tank, right? So this... This um, young lady studying product design, uh, and she went away. She went, there's got to be an easier way. Why is this young child who's dependent on the oxygen tank, why can't she be a bit freer in, in playing around the park? So she randomly called into St. Vincent's Hospital, asked them a thousand questions about why nothing had been developed and what the problems were and things like that. And, in, I mean, the end result is she's designed this, this oxygen tank that can almost be carried by a young child. Um, but it's it's so much freeing, so you know, frees them up to to be Two able things. to be more mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said one of the interesting things um, in the book that I read about her was she said she wrote a hundred emails and she asked a lot of the wrong questions at the beginning, but in the end she started getting the right questions happening because she'd asked the wrong questions um, and ended up coming up with a simplification of all the problems that everybody had talked about. Um, and she even says, you know, there, there were people in her class that were that were much smarter than she was. I'm not sure I actually met her and talked to her. She's a very, very intelligent young lady. Um, but she, she, it was that persistence in that, in the wanting to design something that was made life better for so many people. Um, she said she's still learning about how to build a business and she still, she pulled partners on board, uh, because as we've discussed before, it's all about the team. And if you've got the right team behind you and you've got the right mix and you've got people that fill in your skill gaps, you have much more um, of an opportunity of succeeding in what you're doing. That brings to my mind another point uh, that I think is probably one of the secrets of success as an entrepreneur or, or an innovator, and that is to seek advice and ask others and not try and do everything yourself. That's right, and, and because that's the other way that you find out other solutions to problems. Let's go back to design thinking practices. The idea is, is layer on layer on layer, until you come up with a solution to the problem. So you just keep keep at it, keep trying to come at things a different way, and that's what you get when you when you offer different opinions and you seek different opinions. Um, one of the other young women in the book is Justine Flynn, and she's the co-founder and director of Thank You, the Thank You brand. So they've got hand washes and um, skincare products, and they're in major, um, major supermarkets around the world, but they wanted to do something that gave back um, to Australians. And... To, the idea behind it was to allow Australians to be empowered to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, she had the passion for this business when she was in year 11, um, and they developed it through a, a business competition that they held at the school. So she was working together with 10 other students. I mean, these, these competitions, to me, should be constant in schools, and every yeah. school should have some kind of entrepreneurship program where people can get involved either as the ideators or the doers or the budget controllers, or you know, you can organise school projects that have all those elements in them. Um, and I, I would like to talk to somebody about having a, a program that layered the students. So it wasn't just Year Seven students working on a program, but you had people from Year Seven to Year Eleven or Year Ten working Together. on on these joint projects. Yeah, imagine the, the imagination that would come out of one group and the practicalities that would come out of another group, and the you know, again, that layering of ideas. Um, but they started from nothing. The Thank You brand started for nothing. Um, they needed $200,000 to co- to cover the first run of production. They didn't have it. They got some mentorship. 
Um, they built partnerships. They went on a huge roller coaster ride. They took huge risks, according to um, according to the CEO. But it was it was that determination to succeed, and we've also spoken about that so many times. That determination to succeed, and it's not about getting knocked down. It's about how quickly you get back up again after yeah. you've been knocked down, um, and just the impact that they're having worldwide. You know, they gave in 2015 this year, they've donated $1.57 million to different projects around the world, which is just remarkable oh, and fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for your time and uh, a little bit longer with you today. Um, we'll catch up with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have Thank a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiat is there with uh, some interesting little case studies, isn't it? And as I said, we do all see those ideas every day. Sometimes we just need to take action. Well, now I thought I'd share a very interesting article I read the other day, How to Crack the Body Language Code, because I often see in business we really don't understand people sometimes. And this particular article says, uh, understanding body language can mean the difference between success or epic failure in business, but it's a language few of us are fluent in. Non-verbal communication makes up around 55% of what we tell others and what they tell us, according to a training leading provider. The body doesn't lie. It truthfully portrays feelings and motives like attraction or boredom, aggression or deception, and is often the precursor to action. Different feelings create physical responses within the body and our face, and because of this connection, it's difficult to continually fake it. It goes on to say, though, that the interesting point is that sometimes we misinterpret signals misinterpret signals because of cultural differences and also the way men and women react and even false readings when we think we understand the message but it might be masked by sickness or tiredness. And then it goes on to say, because technology has changed the way we communicate, we are now becoming less adept to picking up signals. We spend much less time face to face and we have less time to build trust in front of people. So we need to make sure that our body language is highlighting the right message. We need to understand how to instant to build instant subconscious rapport by managing our own body language in a particular manner. So it's an interesting point that uh, body language, uh, and of course uh, there's plenty of books out there on body language. Uh, Alan Peace was the, the guru of body language uh, about 30 years ago, and his books are still around. But uh, it's important to uh, be able to read people's language. And uh, the other thing I think that it comes in, there in, into play is understanding people's personality. If we're in business, we need to very be able to clearly read what people are thinking, why they're thinking, and understand their motivation. And often that will lead to a lot more success. And we'll come back with some more in a moment. Yes, yeah, so and it's just gone one thirty, so we've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one here is to uh, help your team avoid unhealthy competition. It's hard to collaborate if you view your colleague as the competition. Even when leaders don't explicitly paint a win-lose game for their teams, the competitive mindset is a default that most high-achieving professionals. So you have to communicate that success in the team can be greater and more exciting when people work together. Emphasize the opportunity for all team members to value and learn from each other. And follow these tactics to help employees adapt a teaming mindset. Firstly, model the behavior you're hoping to inspire. 
demonstrate curiosity and interest in the person you work with and ask them genuine questions and respond thoughtfully to what you hear. Secondly, place a high value on and reward successful teaming more than individual performance. And finally, frame the challenge ahead. The work, the initiative, the project as something in need of diverse perspectives and skills. So obviously, and we've just been talking about that in innovation, working together collaboratively is going to get better results. And this one here also looks at innovation. To encourage innovation, stop punishing failure. One of the most common innovation mistakes companies make is urging risk-taking while punishing commercial failure. The academic literature suggests that almost every successful product had a failure somewhere in its lineage. But inside most companies, working on something that falls, fails commercially carries significant stigma. If it's not outright career risk, it's no surprise that people play it safe. That's not uh, to say that companies should encourage failure. When people do something stupid, making sloppy, sloppy mistakes or screw something up that has a dramatic repercussion on the business, they should absolutely be held accountable. The trick is to recognise that in the early stages of innovation, what at first appears to be failure is anything but. Innovation success involves disciplined experimentation and learning from failure is a big part of that. Well, thank you once again for being with me for the last half of the program. We've, uh, we didn't get Jeff along today on the from financial services, but uh, we've had a good discussion with Christina Sikiotis and looked at some of those very interesting uh, innovation case studies. And also a quick mention there of body language and understanding people, how we can perhaps change our views, which will help our business. In a moment, Dave Cochran is going to be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll enter the world of tax with uh, Tony Vitre. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina Sikiadis and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Stephen Covey once said, the main thing is... To keep the main thing, the main thing.